0: Welcome to the Mom Powerment Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids, even when they are experiencing their most challenging behaviors. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Jacobowski, an international speaker public school principal and former struggling student. The Mom Empowerment Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Welcome to our podcast today. I'm so excited everyone listening. I have a special guest with us today, Dr. Kelly Freiden. She is a pediatrician, a mother, and she's passionate advocate for children's health and wellness. And I love that she was willing to come onto our show today because do you know that she just recently wrote a book called Parenting in a Pandemic? So Dr. Freiden, help us and all of our listeners today, please help us with what we can do during this crazy tumultuous time that we have found ourselves in. And thank you so much for research and work that you put together. To help and share with moms and parents to help us and their child's well-being. So welcome to the show, and we'll just dive in and help us understand where this work started with, and maybe some tips and ideas and strategies you can leave us with.
1: Sure, sure. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, You know, I um, I am a mom of two myself. I have a two and a seven-year-old, and um, I, I. was working for New York City public schools in a public health capacity prior to the pandemic, when um, this happened and I was all of a sudden home with my family uh, supporting virtual learning and (laughs) and um, all of that goes with that. And, And it was because of that experience, the intensity of it that I, Felt uh, you know called to like write this book and put together a resource because I you know I know what people are dealing with right now and and anything I can do or say to help I'm happy to try my best. Um, so let me know whatever you want to talk about. We can go there.
0: Well, so we know that kids are really struggling with the whole social lack of social interaction and there's families who have chosen to still, in a sense, kind of quarantine and families who've chosen you know remote learning. But so maybe we can start there. Like what is something that parents might need to be aware of or maybe signs that their children are or aren't displaying and, and, and what ideas or strategies around helping kids with social interaction when we're not all meeting like we normally did to play play dates and things like that?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I've heard from a lot of families who are worried about that. And I um, uh, primarily, I just want to reassure parents that um, I think it's really easy for us to neglect the social environment we provide in the home, you know, like family meals, getting through the the work of your day, uh, interacting in the same space. Um, you know, those are rich opportunities for social development in your children's lives. So even if it's not even if it's not peer-to-peer play, your children are still given um, opportunities to advance their social skills at home. You know, if you think about it, you know, evolutionarily, what our communities used to be like, they used to be, um, they weren't groups of 20 same age peers interacting all the time. You know, your village was sort of whatever you got and you had these inner age groups and. And and I think that while it's not traditionally what we're used to, it's not necessarily handicapping our children. Kids can catch up. I think older kids can still engage pretty productively by Zoom, you know, depending on the maturity and their social skills coming in, maybe around seven or eight, I've seen kids able to have like Zoom play dates where they build Legos with each other or play dolls and show each other things. And they do get a chance to connect with someone on their level. Um, And for kids younger than that, I I would encourage parents to set realistic expectations for what they're able to do. Even 10 minutes of really getting down on the floor with your child and playing a board game or building something can be like great for connection and for those turn-taking executive function planning skills that come out of play. Um, So, you know, I think that parents can be pretty, pretty good substitutes, even if it's not the same.
0: I think you make a really good point. And I, I love what you said in your book, that the nature of a pandemic is that we learn as we go. And as hard as that is for some of us to kind of be okay with that and just to kind of accept what is, but then how do you still take care of yourself and a lot of times i'm trying to think of like we're all trying to think of what to do to help our kids when then at the end of the day it's like well we do we have to take care of ourselves and moms have to take care of themselves um is there anything you want to speak to along those lines
1: yes i think that's a huge hugely important topic because um what parents are dealing with right now is 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 not what anybody planned when they became a parent, you know, we all thoughtfully chose our work-life balance or our home life such that we thought we would have the life we intended. And nobody, nobody thought that this would happen. So I think we need to give ourselves a lot of grace. And, um, and often we need to lower our expectations. You know, we may not be able to accomplish all that we normally would um, when we're not dealing with the stress of all these decisions and all the changes in in our routines you know um and that's okay you know i i think we need if we lower our expectations we have more likelihood of of having success and feeling good about our our progress so one of the things you know I mentioned in the book is that you can take an inventory of like where your family is and what's really important to you so you know academically for your school crowd if it's if it's that your child's been falling behind in reading and you want to catch up or stay on grade level maybe you're gonna devote your resources to prioritizing that and and maybe you're gonna let a couple of things slide for a while um, because you just have to put pick your pick your passions and and Put your energy where you where you need to right now, and I think that's okay. I think a lot of parents have trouble with that, myself included. That like these aren't the meals that I would normally make, or my house isn't as clean as it would normally be. But like it just it just is going to have to do for now.
0: Right, because I mean I'm sure you're navigating like putting the laundry in, making making the breakfast, wait the lunch and the dinner now, and and work and and like squeezing it all in. Are Are there any things that you do that? you found that manage it a little bit better for you, that might be a good tip for someone listening?
1: Oh yeah. You know, I try to batch, um, batch. so like instead of doing laundry every day, I try to do it twice a week and then it's a lot of laundry, but it, it it's less interrupting my day. Or when I'm cooking, I tend to cook extra at dinner. So I have leftovers for lunch or I tend to chop the, the fruit and vegetables for lunch when I'm making breakfast, because I find that um, it helps uh to do it all at once once i start on a task but you know all the time management skills in the world won't fix the problem of like if you have a full-time job and you're trying to facilitate you know remote education for a child before second or third grade it's just like right it's just too much like and and i think you know having realistic expectations for what we can accomplish and what our children can do is important because it's not developmentally appropriate for a child to like feel alone in their day, you know, my son is getting ready to do remote learning again. Now he's been in person, but we pulled him out because we're going to see some family and we wanted to kind of isolate beforehand. And, um, you know, he, he, um, doesn't want to be alone in a room by himself doing it. And that's understandable. He's only seven. Yeah.
0: And what about parents who And a lot of us who are concerned about the amount of screen time that we all sort of in the back of our minds to some degree had concerns about Mm pre-COVID, and now um, it it just seems it's. What's your perspective, or or what what are what are some things that you've seen in the research say, or or would you recommend because it's so much right now?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I I try to put it in context for families because, you know, prior to the pandemic, the 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 average screen time in this country was like mind boggling, like for elementary school kids, like five to seven hours a day of screen time. And so that's it. it depending on your school community. Um, I find that often the parents that are the most worried about screen time are much more conservative about it. Um, and not in that camp. So, you know, in the community where I work in the Bronx, a lot of people are you know dad is working nights and watching the kids and so the tv's on while he's trying to get some rest and like you have to do what you have to do in terms of screen time and i certainly you know there's a range of things to worry about like i'd put Safety at the top of your list, like, I'd rather make sure your children are in a safe environment, using their car seats, not jumping into pools unsupervised, those kinds of things. And screen time's like over here, like, it's still a concern, but it's not a concern of that magnitude. I do think one thing that I worry about is about um, about uh, bullying or or. P- kids accessing inappropriate conduct, you know, in the elementary school range. And because I haven't actually let my kids have much screen time before this. And I I have, during the pandemic, been exploring these controls for the first time about how to limit the ability to, like, go to a random website or, you know, how to block, block certain programs so that during school hours you can't be goofing around on a game, you can only access your school programs. And, and, you know, uh, probably by now you guys are all experts on these things, but I I do think it's important to make sure that there's some safety involved in the screen time. Um, And there are programs available. I haven't done it yet, but Bark and Circle are examples of programs that will like monitor the device and alert the parent if there's inappropriate activity going on. And so some of those might be helpful, especially for the parents of older kids who are getting more and more independent so that you can still have a sense of what's happening on the screen because you don't want to wait until something bad happens. (laughs) Hey there, it's
0: Karin. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course on First Steps to Mom Powerment. Go to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video if you're new here or you haven't done this yet this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy life and healthy life with your kids so head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today when your child was in school um, how, how did they do, how was it going back because we had been off, um, how, to, how, how could a parent trans help a child transition? If now some of us are going back remote, but then we're in person and then it might even shift back again. What are some things that could help a parent to help navigate that change?
1: Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of kids out there who are scared to go back. Um, because the message had been, it's not safe, you know, to be in school. So I think it's important for parents um, to to keep their children up to date in a developmentally appropriate way. So, you know, in August before, or actually it was in July, really, because my son went to in-person camp for a while over the summer when rates were low here. And so I was able to have the conversation of, like, you know, the... Department of Health like our leadership said that it's okay and it's a safe plan and I feel comfortable with it and I think it's going to be great for you and kind of set that tone of like it's positive it's allowed it's okay and like yes it might feel funny to like have to wear a mask uh, on the bus or you know have to wear a mask around your friends but isn't it great to be back with them and we'll do whatever we have to do to to follow the rules and make it safe for everyone Mm -hmm. to enjoy this time and you know I think I think it's 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 sort of unfortunate because it's, it's, it comes at a time when we're also drained from all our responsibilities, but we do have this responsibility as parents, which I would say is like, you know, one of the most important responsibilities is to like set the tone for how your child is processing all these changes. Um, you know, for example, like at the playground, I hear parents sometimes wanting to keep their, the kids keep the mask on, you're gonna get sick, put your mask back on. And as much as possible, I'd encourage instead, um, you know, messages that are less fear based and more um, in line with your values of, you know, values you want to be encouraging, like, put your mask on, we want to be kind to our neighbors or like, put your mask on, we have to obey the rules of the park, you know, that we want, we can't control very much of like all this pandemic changes and how it affects our children, but we can't try to choose the tone of the way we're interacting with them. and I think that's a lot easier to do, as you were saying before, when parents are more well-rested and have a little bit more uh, self-care time, because yeah. it's hard to be that con- in control when you're feeling drained. So I, I think it's worth a little reflection when you do have a chance for a long shower <laughs> or an exercise to think about how that's going for your family.
0: I love that. I love how you, it's like reframing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in a positive way let's do this so that we can be kind to others i love that that really helps me especially with something that i've been thinking about at school to help the kids or remind the staff um you know the distance and and it, a lot of it can come across like don't 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 right and yes. so in the back of my mind i'm like how can we uh, keep this a priority so that we are all safe and everybody feels safe and um, but but I love how you said that keeping it positive and the way you think of how you frame it and you can frame it in a way that is helpful and getting the same message and focus that like seriousness of it apart that you guys we really have to follow you know these rules etc
1: yeah and like it's it's founded I think in in research about like how um, stress affects us, right? Like, so chronic stress is bad for your health. You know, it includes your diabetes, obesity, it impairs your sleep, it makes you feel bad. Um, and so whatever we can do to decrease our feel- our feelings of like chronic stress and, and that, uh, you know, we need to feel safe and we need to feel, um, we need to feel like we can like let our guard down and not be constantly vigilant. Um, so when it comes to some of these choices we're facing as parents, I think one of the most common is the six feet apart, which is really hard for the young ones. Um, it is. And personally, as a parent, I, I have pretty much avoided uh, situations where I've had to be enforcing six feet apart from my kids because it, it makes it almost not worth it. Um, and I'm sure and I, I've been impressed with how the schools have, have tried to um, set it up um, so that it, natural and intrinsic to the activity. So you don't need to be like constantly harping on the kids to to do this and that and be aware of their distance. But the masking and the being outdoors as much as possible will get you most of the way they are for the little kids based on the data.
0: And what, could, what would you say to parents who are struggling at times with Uh, when we went from remote to in-person, we had to shift staff around and now they have a new teacher and now some some teachers are going on maternity leave. Oh, now this teacher's quarantined. Now you have a substitute teacher. There's so much uncertainty with the adult who is usually the constant and we harp on that for so long, for so many years. Mm -hmm. Is there any word of consolation that you have for parents to help their kids with just a simple transition of a teacher multiple times that could happen this year?
1: Yeah, that, that is a challenge because the kids do get get attached um, you know I think I think from what I've seen with my own kids and what I've heard from the principals at the schools they go to the that the experience of being in school is overall such a positive one for our kids it's about more than just the teacher you know your community of school your your friends in your class or the the whole you know being being a kid at your school you know and and so when the teacher changes it can feel like a whole new environment but really it's not it's the same structure and it's it's the same the same building or the same curriculum at home and I I would encourage parents to redirect like oh yeah I really miss your teacher too but at least so and so is still in your class or at least you can still have music or at least, you know, you can still have these parts of the school day that you love and enjoy. Um, so you acknowledge that they are disappointed and dealing with something that they don't like. And then you try to kind of redirect would be my personal strategy. And
0: aren't kids more resilient than we are as adults? They are.
1: Actually, I was, as I was talking about that. My son's teacher was out for a two-week quarantine. She had an exposure and um, she didn't get sick or anything, but... Uh, he didn't even tell me until, <laughs> until after like a week. Wow. And it came up and I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes I think in the
0: instant, it's like, oh no, this is just traumatic, right? And and in that first instant, it, it really feels it, it sounds it. And then uh, there was a change in a teacher and a parent, you know, obviously was just totally distraught. Like, how can I tell my kid? Like, they didn't even want to tell their kid. Like, they had a hard time even just, how am I even going to tell my kid? And I'm like, oh no, this is happening in like a couple of days. Like, we're going to have to tell them, Right. And then it was interesting because a week or two later, um, when talking with the, the child, they even expressed at first I was upset, but now I'm okay. And and it's that idea of hey, something might be really, you know, really upsetting in the moment. But if 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 you just let that time pass and let's work with it, and I love the strategies that you just shared with us to use and, and explore and, and practice with your child, and then just a comfort that over time. It, it may not be as stark, stressed, crazy, freaked out as it was in that exact moment. And that was just kind of telling for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's another chance, you know, we have to set the tone for how our family kind of deals with things. So
0: right? Yeah, because we're mirrors, the kids are mirrors of us. So if we're freaked out and upset, Don't be surprised your child's going to be too. Right. And then if you, even if you're freaked out inside, but if you take that calm approach
1: and your tone of voice, they, they will eventually match it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, you know, I've heard parents, um, even parents who are remote learning, sometimes I've heard they go hide in their car and call their friends <laughs> and went to them about the stress so their kids won't hear and yeah. then they come up and, and, and put on their, the face that they, they want to show their family. I mean, you know, I, I think it's okay uh, to also be real with your family and be like, yeah, you know, I, I'm disappointed with all these changes that your teacher has to change too. Yeah. Um, but I I know we'll we'll get used to this new teacher. Maybe we'll even like her more. Who knows? You know, those kinds of things. Like, yeah, yeah. Like it's okay to be upset. Yeah, and I, I tend to stay uh,
0: I'm like optimistic. And so it might not turn out that way, but for the moment, we're going to think that what if this is better this way? <laughs> and I try to think right. of the glass half full. <laughs> even if it doesn't turn out that way, it helps just to shift your mind because otherwise you just start spiraling down and then there's those thoughts of fear and it just... Just never is never good for anybody, right?
1: Yeah, Um, it's yeah. With my own kids, I've been so thankful that school's open. Like whatever we have to do to have school, (laughs) we'll take it. Right? Yeah, and the
0: kid even even a fourth grader was like, I I don't care if I have to wear a mask, and and they were like, I can't do this computer school. They called it. Hmm. I'll wear a mask eight hours because the parent was like, I don't know. be able to wear the mask in school and when she talked to her child they were like i'll do it i'll do anything besides computer school so it's interesting that we're seeing kids rise to the occasion i'm noticing that we didn't might not be giving them the credit for but they're actually like they want to be there and they they want to be in person the kids that i interview at school and i'm like how is this better than the zoom online they're like oh this is so much way better you know and um that's that's that was so good so good to hear that and see that yeah absolutely So I'm going to dive down deep into one little area that I noticed in your book. Tell us about you were diagnosed with cancer at three years old and you talked about your mom and how that was the stress on the parent side from what you were going through. Wow. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh yeah. So, um, you know, I hardly remember it, but, but I, um, I fell out of bed, um, out of my like little toddler bed and I, I was in pain in the middle of the night my mom took me to the emergency room and they thought I had appendicitis but they found internal bleeding and then they said um you know we're gonna have to have another surgery tomorrow to take out our kidney because her kidney has a bruise on it and my mom was like this is before they had ultrasound right how old am I <laughs> um but she was like this doesn't seem right this was like a small rural hospital in North Carolina and so she took me to to Duke hospital. Um she like snuck me out the stairwell because they had threatened to call child services. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's where I found out I had cancer. But anyway, I had um I had cancer and it was harder for sure on my mom than it was on me. Um because my chief concern when my parents told me was like, can I still play? Um wow. yeah, kids' perspective. The, the best thing about it from my perspective was it did like it did introduce me to some role models. Like my oncologist did some of the first pediatric bone marrow transplants in the country. And she, she, um, I'm still in touch with her. She read my book. <laughs> um, uh, it did in that way, like introduce me to, you know, the good that people can do in medicine and what that's like. Um, so I think it's also been helpful as a pediatrician to know like, what a scared, a stressed parent is like <laughs> and how, you know, I, I think sometimes the, you know, in medicine, because we deal with things like asthma and diabetes so frequently, it's like these common things you get used to treating routinely as a physician, but then it, it, the cancer history gives me this awareness that like what families are going through, like this respect for for the experience and the fear that sometimes even like more minor health conditions can cause, um, that, you know, it, it, every problem's minor when it's not your problem, right? <laughs> yeah, like-
0: so true. And so, Maybe you can leave our listeners with one or two last thoughts that are in your book in case they don't get to your book. But sometimes we love hearing a quick uh, tip to learn as we move on. And certainly in the description, I'll put a link to your book and your website uh, with your permission. So the listeners have access to it. But what's what's one or two things in your book that you can leave to help uh, with a strategy or tip for parents at this time?
1: Yeah, I I think one thing that's in there that I would encourage your families to practice is protecting the parents. Um, uh, You know, we know we know that coronavirus is worse for our parents than it is for kids, like significantly worse. Like it's 100 times worse for a 40-year-old than a 4-year-old. So it's just a reminder that parents are so used to protecting their kids that we need to protect the parents too because the kids are depending on you to stay well. Um, so even if you're, uh, say, you're facilitating your kid, Going to school just because your kid is interacting with those kids in class, you should still distance from the other parents and from the other kids because, you know, another direct contact for you matters. Because even if your kid is uh, exposed to their germs, like, it's still uh, a, a couple steps away from you, unless you interact with that child directly. So just to encourage parents to, like, take the precautions more seriously for themselves. Sometimes parents will martyr themselves and kind of prioritize the kids too much, in my opinion. We should protect the parents. <laughs> and, you know, I give a lot of... Um, advice from my book out on Instagram too, if their parents will do that uh, at advice, I give my friends.com and sometimes, or advice I give my friends is the Instagram handle. And sometimes I go live on Instagram um, with people like Emily Oster and um, a couple other people for fun to talk about this kind of thing. So you can find me there also. Well,
0: that's all we've got for this episode of the mom empowerment podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to help you live a happier, healthier life with your kids. Click subscribe today and we can't wait to have you join us on our next episode. Thanks again. And remember, don't worry, be happy.